The Gospel reading for this morning comes from Luke's Gospel, beginning in the 24th chapter at the first verse. Luke wrote these things. At the crack of dawn on Sunday, the women came to the tomb carrying the burial spices they had prepared. They found the entrance stone rolled back from the tomb, so they walked in. But once inside, they couldn't find the body of the Master Jesus. They were puzzled, wondering what to make of this. Then out of nowhere, it seemed, two men, light cascading over them, stood there. And the women were awestruck and bowed down in worship. The men said, why are you looking for the living one in a cemetery? He is not here, but raised up. Remember how he told you when you were still back in Galilee that he had to be handed over to sinners, be killed on a cross, and in three days rise up? Then they remembered Jesus' words. They left the tomb and broke the news of all this to the eleven and the rest. Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them kept telling these things to the apostles. But the apostles didn't believe a, a, believe a word of it thought that they were making it all up. But Peter jumped to his feet and ran to the tomb. And he stooped to look in and saw a few grave clothes, and that's all. He walked away puzzled, shaking his head. And this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Would you pray with me, please? Loving God, glorified on earth by the witness and life and death and resurrection of Jesus the Christ, touch our lives with the love that creates disciples, that we truly may learn to love one another. Teach us new attitudes so we will welcome the new heaven and the new earth you've promised, that we might work together to live as your people, and keep us ever aware that our long walk through this marvelous creation is a part of the gift. Open our ears, our minds, our hearts to your word for us this day. Amen. <clears throat> Ursula Le Guin wrote, and I quote, It is good to have an end to journey towards but it is the journey that matters in the end." Unquote. Planning the resurrection. The only moment in the year when she actually got herself up for gardening was on the day in the fall that she had selected in advance for the laying out of the spring bulb garden. And the morning often turned out to be raw and overcast with a searching wind off of the water, an easterly that finds its way quickly to your bones. Armed with a diagram and a clipboard, Catherine would get into a shabby old Brooks raincoat, much too long for her, put on a pair of overshoes and proceed to the director's chair. It's a, a folding, folding canvas thing that had been placed for her at the edge of the plot. 
And there she would sit hour after hour in the wind and the weather while Henry Allen produced dozens of brown paper packages of new bulbs and a basket full of old ones ready for the intricate interment. As the years went by and age overtook her, there was something comical yet touching in her bedraggled appearance on this awesome occasion. A small, hunched-over figure, her studied absorption in the implausible notion that there would yet be another spring, oblivious to the ending of her own days, which she knew perfectly well was near at hand. Sitting there with her detailed chart under those dark skies, in the dying October, calmly plotting the resurrection. <coughs> you know, early in the morning, the women came to the tomb and they found that the entrance stone was rolled back, so they just walked in. But they couldn't find the body of Jesus. When out of nowhere, two men, like cascading over them, appeared and said, Why do you look for the living one in a cemetery? He's not here. He's raised up. He's out again in the open spaces. And Mary and the others returned to the disciples and told them what they'd seen and heard. But the disciples considered it an idle tale and did nothing about it. You know, to believe this resurrection story takes a lot of courage and faith. It is more, though, folks, than just saying yes to the accounts of the resurrection. It is at the same time saying a conscious no to the power of death and destruction that surrounds us. It's good to have an end to journey towards, but it's the journey that matters in the end. First grade student took almost an hour to walk home from school. It's a distance covered easily in not more than 15 minutes. Tomorrow afternoon, you come straight home from school, young lady, your mother scolded, fearing for her child's safety, but the next day, the same exact thing occurred. It took the child almost an hour to make the trip. I thought I told you to come straight home, the mother said angrily. Well, that's what I did, responded the child. Well, then what took you so long? Well, I stopped to talk to a squirrel in the tree. I watched a caterpillar cross the sidewalk and disappear into the grass. I looked at my reflection in a puddle of water. I pretended I was a queen walking through my kingdom. Mommy, I did as you said. I came straight home. You know, folks, for God and children, it seems that the journey, more than the arrival, is the point of it all. When we humans build waterways, we build them straight as the birds fly. When God builds rivers and streams, they twist and meander, wind and turn, caring as much for the trip as for the end of it. In the full work of creation, nature scarcely admits the existence of a straight line. Nature has little use for mechanized digital time. 
And as we gather together on this Easter Resurrection Sunday, I believe that we should celebrate the fact that God has seen us through this part of our journey together. Hearts and souls in this place have been touched to be generous and to give of themselves as we explore resurrection living in this place. We are blessed with an open future. We've gathered around an inclusive vision, one that excludes no person and welcomes all who come our way as children of God. And together we've been called out of this place to be in ministry both in larger community and in the global community. Our journey together continues. I think it helpful at times to return to the place of remembering how we first came to know God. How do we remember being introduced to the one who created that sacred space within us, if we're honest, most, most of which is filled now with things other than wonder? What do we truly know about God? We might well answer that what we know is what we have shared with others on this journey. Now Jesus gathered the disciples around him in a tight relationship. They formed a tight-knit group they experienced much together. Over the course of their time together, they became brothers, a family of sorts. And Jesus had given them a new commandment, to love each other as he loved each and every one of them. And he knew that this wasn't easy. He knew that all the people in that room were different. They came from different families, different histories, different understandings, different levels of commitment, different gifts, different graces. And to all the people now assembled in a room behind closed doors and very frightened was given the responsibility of the future of the church. Yet for all of their differences, they did share a common experience of Jesus, an eye-ear life witness to the teachings and redeeming work of the Savior. And that common experience bound them together in a tight, loving, caring relationship. They shared the experience of family, shared pains, joys, sorrows, successes. They celebrated together, and now they mourned in common. And the love which Jesus exhibited and calls us to was an intentional kind of love. It does not come without much effort, much commitment, much risk. C.S. Lewis wrote, and I quote, To love it all is to be vulnerable. Love anything, and your heart will certainly be wrung and possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give your heart to no one. Wrap it carefully round with hobbies and luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it safe in a casket or a coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, motionless, dark, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. And the only place outside of heaven where you can be perfectly safe from all the dangers of love is hell. You know, Jesus loved people with an unmerited love. He loved persons as persons. Not because they were the right color or creed or sex or sexual orientation or social caste. He related to each person, hopefully, 
Love works at broadening horizons, arousing new expectations, stirring people to learn, to change, to grow. Love is infinitely resourceful, unfailingly creative, always ready to hope and believe for the best. We folks are clearly called to do good. We are called to seek out the now risen Christ who goes ever before us in wide open spaces. We are called to imitate Christ who has come before and helps to enable this very kind of love in us. It is this kind of love that can help carve out the sacred space that exists in each of us. It is this kind of love that can appreciate the meandering course of life's journey or the need for a 15-minute walk to take an hour. Each of us needs that sacred space, both within ourselves and a place of shelter to which we can retreat in wonder with others who share our journeys and simply have moments of, wow, together. An intentional love, an unmerited love, a hopeful love, a sacrificial love. This is what Jesus asks of us, and this type of love must begin in our homes, in our closest relationships, with those we've been given to share the gift of family. So on this Easter Sunday, I celebrate with you today the gift of God's love for us, that he so marvelously sent his only son that we might know God in a much more intimate way. I celebrate the gifts and vision of this faith community and the ways that we, they are used to realize more of the kingdom both here and abroad. I celebrate sacrificial giving. And as we move forward in our meandering journey, may we be about the business of creating spaces of sanctuary for one another that all might feel at home here bound together in wonder at it all and in love for one another. Because today, we ultimately remember the gift of life and that it can always be made new. Happy Easter. Amen.